0: Howdy, everyone. Hopefully, Santa and Turkey are making you laugh. We have some really creative people I love on our team, and it's just fun. Here's what I don't love. Those dumb inflatables that people put in their front yards during Christmas. I don't know. If you have one, no offense to you, but I just don't like them. I just think they look like tackling dummies. You're just asking teenagers to come by and do things that they shouldn't do to your inflatables on your front lawn. But I do like Christmas lights. So I'll just drive around sometimes to look at Christmas lights. And have you had the experience where you drive through a neighborhood and there's some house that's like decked out completely in lights? I mean, maybe it's elegant and beautiful. Maybe it's tacky and extreme, but it's just decked out. And then you look at the house right next door. You following me? It's like this decked out house like crazy. And next door, there's like a wreath or like a candle in the window. I mean, it's just awkward. If that's your neighbor that kind of goes crazy with lights, check out how this one group of people, this one neighborhood dealt with this. I don't know if you've seen this before, where, you know, (laughs) big display of lights and then the little sign next to it, ditto, right? Kind of fun. That's a good way of handling it. What? Awesome. You know, I'm not sure what separates these two kinds of people. I mean, one person is like Christmas extreme. They got to. Get all. They have all kinds of clearly time on their hands, way too much time, way too much holiday cheer, way too much money. Those lights cost a lot. But here's what you got to know about those two houses. They both have the same amount of power coming into the house. But what they do on the outside of the house is different. One's like an explosion of Christmas cheer and one's like candle in the window. It's kind of like... These two different extension cords, right? Like this extension cord's kind of the one that plugs in a wreath. And this one's like mega, right? So you, you buy this if you want to have mega holiday cheer. And this one's like, eh, we're going to have some holiday cheer. Different. In a lot of ways, as we come to the end of 2020, I kind of feel like most Christ followers are one or the other. We're like a holiday house that's either like extreme Christmas or just a wreath, barely, maybe. Maybe just a little bit of power. Maybe a lot of power. Because here's the deal. Every one of us has power. You and me have power over your words, power over your time, power over your schedule, power over your talents, power over your money, Power over your attitude. We all have power. What we do with what we have is what separates you and me this 2020. And so I want to encourage you right now to open up your Bibles. If you have a Bible, electronic or paper, turn on, open up to Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to be looking today. Luke chapter 8. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that talks about Jesus and power because we've been encouraging one another to finish 2020 strong. Here at Faith Church, we're looking at how do we finish 2020 strong? Not limping to the finish line, but what does it look like for you and me to be both grateful and generous? And Jesus displays both gratitude and generosity. In the passage that we're going to look at today, Jesus is going to show generosity with power. Generosity with power. So before we jump into it, as you get there, Luke chapter 8, let me just describe, define for you power. Here's what I mean by power power is my abilities and capabilities. See that? My abilities and capabilities. All of us have abilities and capabilities, some of us have more abilities. Some of us have less ability. Some of us have more capability. Some of us have less capability. But every human has abilities and capabilities, which means every human has power. In our culture today, we talk about power as someone who has a lot of it. So we'll look at leaders and politicians and executives, and we'll see abuses of power, right? We'll see power plays with people that have a lot of power, they'll misuse or abuse that power and we'll go, that's bad. In that thinking, we presume that those who have a little bit of power can not also abuse it too. Every person that has abilities and capabilities can abuse, misuse, conserve, or give away power. It's not based on how much you have all of us have it, and we make choices about what we do with that power. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus had power. If we were going to look at the Bible, what do you think Jesus was like as on earth? Was he someone conserving power, or was he mega power? Was he giving power away? Which would you say is Jesus, little extension cord or big industrial power? And then how did he do it? And what did it look like? That's what we're gonna look like in Luke chapter eight. Look at, in Luke chapter eight, and this may not be a very Christmassy passage, but I think you're gonna see Christmas everywhere here in Luke chapter eight. Are you ready? Here we go, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus's feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So right out of the gate, we notice here that Jesus has power. He's magnetic. Something about how he carries himself, how he speaks, how he interacts, what he does. It's magnetic and crowds are drawn to him. And here you have this Powerful Jesus stopping his plans because he hears there's a young girl who's sick and dying. Jesus redirects his plans. He's going to help this girl. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Verse 43, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of Of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Jesus is making his way to help this young girl who's suffering. Crowds are pressing against him, the streets are narrow, and we're introduced to this woman who's been suffering for 12 years. Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 5, verse 25, gives us a little more context. He says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Here's this woman suffering with female problems for 12 years. She's gone doctor to doctor, spent all her money, done whatever she could to find a solution, a terrible physical problem that's impacting her greatly. And it's not just a physical problem. It's not just a financial problem. It's also a social problem. You see, in her culture, to have this kind of problem meant she couldn't go to temple to worship. It meant that people who would go to temple wouldn't associate with her because they saw her as dirty or unclean. It'd be like someone telling you, because of your physical problem, you weren't welcome at church. And don't join a small group either, because we don't even want to associate with people like you. This meant that it was not just a physical problem, it was an emotional problem. It was a social problem. This woman is desperate. Powerful Jesus is walking through town. He's known as a healer. She's embarrassed, she's an outcast, she's desperate. So I imagine her kind of covering up and making her way, not sure what she's going to do when she gets close to this powerful healer, but she makes her way, gets closer, not sure what she's going to do, but at some point she reaches out and just grabs his clothes and immediately she's healed. She knows her own body. She knows what she's experienced and her problem is solved. And I think of the little smile that might creep onto her face or maybe a drop of tears coming down from her eyes because she's like, I know. I'm healed. And the hope that would fill her heart with. But she tries to slip away quietly until she hears a voice, verse 45, who touched me? Jesus asked. When everyone denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. This would be like Justin Bieber making his way through Times Square pre-COVID and saying, who took a picture of me? Like, really, Justin? Who didn't take a picture of you? Everybody's snapping pictures. Jesus, are you serious? Crowds are everywhere. Who didn't touch you? Peter says. And Jesus goes, Someone touch me, verse 46. I know that power has gone out from me. He knows his ability to heal, he knows himself. Just like you know your abilities, you know your capabilities. Jesus knew his abilities and his capabilities, and he knew in that moment his power to heal synced up with someone's need to be healed. In that moment, he knew something happened. And you imagine this poor woman. She's ashamed. She's tired of suffering, gets up enough courage, touches him. She's healed. She's rejoicing. She's trying to slip away quietly, Who touched me, the leader says. The powerful man says, who touched me? Imagine what's going through her mind. Verse 47, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I mean, how beautiful these words. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I mean, here you have someone who has all power interacting with someone who's completely powerless. And he blesses her. I mean, rewrite this story and think about different leaders and different people. I mean, Jesus could have easily said, wait, who touched me? woman, why did you touch me? He could have shamed her in that moment. He could have said, wait, listen, why why didn't you just ask? Like, who are you to come up to me and just take something from me without asking? Now I want it back. And in a moment, he could have snatched that healing back. But he doesn't shame her. He doesn't take power back. Instead, he blesses her. I mean, that's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And he says to her, it's your faith that's healed you. So important for us to see why she's healed in this moment. It's not because Jesus is some kind of good luck charm, that if you rub him a certain way and speak certain incantations, get your spiritual ducks in a row, make sure everything's just right and I touch him, then I'm healed. That's not what's going on here. This isn't about religion. This is not about magic. This is not about trickery. That's not it. It's also not about Jesus is a good guy. He's got some influence. He's a good moral leader. So if he can help someone, why not? That's not what this is. This is God in the flesh who has the power to heal. And it's not because of her touch It's not because of magic words she said. It's because she believed. She's so powerless in this moment, so desperate in this moment, and she's in the presence of power, and she goes, I need what you got. I believe. And in that second, Jesus heals her. I mean, isn't that the Christmas story? The powerful leaves heaven to serve the powerless. I mean, Jesus, almighty God, in the comfort and joy of heaven, says, I'm gonna set aside that comfort and joy. And I'm gonna come to earth as a tiny baby, as a meek, gentle man who walks around Palestine with no fanfare. And for the powerless who need power, he's going to heal, he's going to change, he's gonna make a difference. She was absolutely powerless over her situation, Jesus was absolutely powerful, and by faith, her life is changed in an instant. I mean, this is the Christmas story, and I don't know why today. I don't know why this is how God chooses to work, but this is what he does. Are you powerless over something right now? Is there some situation or circumstance where you feel absolutely powerless to control? that's the moment, that's the time where you reach out to the powerful. So maybe you've tried to kick that habit, that addiction. You've tried it over and over. You've modified your behavior. You've made New Year's resolutions. You promised your family you wouldn't do it anymore. When you're powerless, you go to the powerful and say, help me, save me. Jesus has the power to rescue people in addiction and help you, but you desperate enough to go to him? I mean, you're trying to fix a relationship. You have a lousy relationship with your spouse. You've totally screwed up a relationship with a friend or a child. You've tried over and over and over again to make it better in a relationship. You're like a toddler that keeps trying to clean up their spilt milk. It just gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse when you're powerless to clean up your own relational mess. You run to Jesus, who's powerful, and who says, I'll, I'll help you. Maybe you've tried to clean up your religious act. Oh, you've been to catechism, you've done baptism, you've done every kind of religious thing, you've tried to let your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, but your shame inside doesn't go away. Because you know a holy God sees the inside of you. You've tried to make it look better inside, but it is not better when you're powerless to forgive yourself, where religion can't forgive you, Jesus can. And this all-powerful Jesus says, Come to me, and I'll forgive you from your sin. You feel powerless over your loneliness, your depression, your anxiety. You're a business leader. You're a a healthcare worker. You're powerless over this COVID nonsense. This COVID thing has got us all wrapped tight and we're struggling. People are struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. It's a complete powerless situation in every situation, every direction. What do you do? You run to all-powerful Jesus say, rescue me, help me. Help me physically, help me emotionally, help me mentally, help me spiritually, help me. Because Jesus wants to say to you today, your faith has healed you, go in peace. He wants you to come to him by faith and he has the ability, all powerful Jesus, to help you, to encourage you for today, to give you the exact dose of what you need for today and then tomorrow, if The sun comes up tomorrow to go to him tomorrow and say, I'm powerless again. Would you give me power today? And he promises to give you what you need for today. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. Turn right. Philippians chapter two is a passage of scripture well known by Paul who writes to describe Jesus. I want to look at another aspect of power with you. Philippians chapter two, verse six through 11, Paul describes Jesus and says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Do you hear power there? He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is a power statement. You see, Jesus had all power. He could use it any way he wanted. The eternal Son of God could have stayed in the comfort and peace of perfection of heaven, and said to all of us powerless people, figure it out yourself. Instead, he sets aside that power to come to earth, and it cost him greatly. You know, when a multimillionaire gives away money, you might go, ah, they have plenty. What's the big deal? It still costs. When the one who is all-powerful sets aside his power and comes into earth as a baby, And he walks around planet Earth and his reputation is maligned because he hangs out with powerless, broken people. And people try to arrest him. People try to kill him. He has to delegate responsibility to 12 numbskulls. Have you ever delegated to someone and you're like, you guys are such a train wreck. You can't do it. Jesus is the ultimate leader and teacher and he delegates to 12 disciples and says to them, hey, you guys gotta go do it for me. And he costs him to delegate that responsibility to 12. It costs him when he hangs naked on a cross and everyone's ridiculing him and saying, "Hey, I thought you said you were the big guy in town, and now you're naked being nailed to a cross. What did that cost?" Every aspect of his life was a cost, and he paid it willingly to serve other people. It costs him greatly. But look at what happens. Philippians 2.9, it says, therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. For the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, God rewarded his son for giving up his power and using it to serve other people, same is true for you and me. You see, when you give up your power, it will cost you, but God will reward you. I mean, this, is, this is what we believe by faith. We look at it and we go, this isn't just this life. There's another life an eternity to come. You know, some of us who are listening right now, right now are abusing their power. Maybe you've abused your power in the past, Maybe you're currently abusing your power right now. And you know, you can abuse power for a season. Maybe some won't notice. Maybe some won't care. Maybe you'll get away with it. Maybe you'll gain more power and more popularity. Maybe you'll even gain more money. But The God of the universe who sees everything knows you. And the God of the universe, while this side of heaven, it may look like you're getting away with abusing your power, no one gets away with anything in front of Almighty God. And if you have power and you're using it, misusing it for your own benefit, the God of the universe sees you. And this life or in the life to come, that will be laid bare before him. Maybe you go, "I, I don't abuse my power, but maybe you can serve it, mine. My capabilities, my abilities, they're all for me. It's for me and my family and to help people like me. I have capabilities and abilities and they're all to serve me. Jesus is inviting us and saying, No, wait. You can use your capabilities and abilities to honor God. When you give that power away, yes, it will cost you. This side of heaven, you may not experience reward or accolades or notice. Certainly in the life to come, God sees and will reward his sons and daughters for giving up their power. I want you to turn to one last passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 1. So go left, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And it's a familiar part of the Christmas story that teaches us a little bit more about power. And here it is. Everyone has power. But followers of Christ have supernatural power. And some of you go. going, I like hearing that. Like, I know I'm Superman. I've been telling my wife and kids I'm Superman all the time. Now the preacher's telling me, here we go. It may not look like what you think. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you see, Joseph has power and Mary is powerless. In that society, in those circumstances, the man has all the power. And she's powerless over this situation. He's a good man. He's a godly man. So in his natural abilities, he's like, you know what? I'm going to find a way to divorce her quietly. I don't want to shame her. I don't want her to be mistreated. I'll protect her, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Again, in Joseph's natural abilities, his natural capabilities, he would have protected her, and now the supernatural breaks into Joseph's life and says, Joseph, dude, this is from God. This is from God. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. See, Joseph had abilities, natural abilities. In his natural abilities, he would protect her and keep her from shame. But then the supernatural breaks in, gives Joseph the supernatural ability to say, wait, you're a virgin and you're pregnant and I'm supposed to marry you and act like this is cool. Okay. I'll do it. I'll trust you, God. And I think Jesus, I love this thought. I think Jesus grew up in a home. We don't talk a lot about Joseph, but Joseph was a good man. And Jesus grew up in a home where his father respected women. And instead of shaming and powering over, he served. Jesus' heavenly father was an incredible example of humility and submission. And his earthly father, Joseph, was too. So that when Jesus was presented with a situation where he could have shamed a woman for touching him, he loved her and blessed her. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have that kind of supernatural power too. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, he puts his spirit inside you. This is not religion. This is so different than religion. God takes up residence inside you. That's supernatural, isn't it? Listen to Jesus, how he describes it. He says in John 14, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will be doing the works that I've been doing. How is that possible without supernatural help? Whoever believes in me will do works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Supernatural power takes up residence. Paul says it this way in Romans 8, 11, He says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside you. What do you call that? That's supernatural power, that God is in you, living in you. And I think most of us kind of get weirded out by that, or we're not sure what that means. We're more inclined to religion and doing good things and not bad things, instead of realizing, wow, The Spirit of God lives inside me? So in January and February of 2021, we're gonna do a series talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives so that we can understand this supernatural power. So stay tuned. But every human has power. But if you're a follower of Christ, you have supernatural power. So it's kind of like this. Every human has abilities and capabilities. Every human. We have abilities and capabilities. But now in Christ, here we go. Now we have been given mega supernatural power to influence this world, to be a conduit of grace and love and peace and joy. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside you. How does that change everything? And here's the choice we have. Are you abusing that power? Are you conserving it and keeping it just for you? Or are you giving it away? You're a child of God. The most high God lives and dwells inside you to forgive you and comfort you, empower you, strengthen you, and give you gifts to be used to serve him. And we're acting like a bunch of pathetic this when I am this. What an incredible opportunity we have with whatever abilities you have. Maybe you have unique artistic abilities, maybe you have entrepreneurial gifts. Maybe you're a great leader, a great teacher, you're a musician. Is that for you to use for yourself, for your own kingdom, for your own personality, or is that to be serving God? Maybe you have power in relationships. Is it yours to abuse or conserve or give it away? Maybe there's people entrusted to you in the community, in your home, at work. Are those people for you to use? abuse? Is it for you to conserve your abilities or to use it to bless people? Maybe you have influence on social media or influence among family and friends. Is that for you to use it for yourself? Abuse that influence to make your kingdom bigger, your money bigger? Or is it for you to use to make God's kingdom bigger? That's why we're challenging you at the end of 2020 with thanksmas. We're asking you to encourage 20 people. You know, words are so powerful. Words have the ability to give people hope and words can destroy people. So many of our family and friends are desperate for hope this 2020. Are you willing to find 20 people that you could write a letter to, send a card, do a text message, just speak hope into them? Or are you just gonna be another voice in our culture that's all about me? Are you going to spread more lies and problems and drama? Or are you going to use your social media to spread hope and peace and joy? Will you challenge yourself to speak love and courage into people? You can just dismiss me and go, eh, who cares what he says. Or you can see that words have power. Find 20 people to encourage. And as a church family, we're challenging ourselves to give away $40,000. How are we gonna do that? If we could collect 2020, $20 gift cards to all kinds of places and give it away. We're trying to give it to two organizations. Rob Middle School is in Center City, Allentown. If COVID is hard for you, COVID's been difficult for you, what about a group of students that haven't been in class since March? Many of their families are struggling economically, emotionally, and we can buy one or two or three gift cards. Use our power of influence through those gift cards to encourage students and families at Rob Middle School or the Kindness Project. The two places, Kindness Project and Rob Middle School, Kindness Project. Do you know right now hundreds of children, powerless children, are either disregarded by their parents or taken away from their parents because their parents aren't safe? Hundreds of kids... The kindness projects come alongside families that foster children and help them. See, when you get a foster kid, you get about 36 seconds notice. And you gotta get all kinds of gear to help them and come alongside them. The kindness project supplies these foster families with support and love. And we have power over one or two or three gift cards to bless families that are fostering, giving the powerless children a place, a home, This is so humbling to me. Here's what's humbling. This is every person in America. This is every Christ follower. Here's the problem. Most Christ followers are acting like this instead of this, and people wonder why they have no regard for Jesus. Jesus is full of power and of peace and wants to give it away, not keep it for himself, but his sons and daughters are acting pathetic at the end of 2020. And we wonder why people are like, I've got no time for Jesus, no time for church. We have the opportunity with every ability, with every gift, with every schedule, with everything we have to leverage it, to give other people hope. I don't want to be pathetic I want to be a source of power and encouragement to people in the Lehigh Valley and around the world. Will you and I commit ourselves to say, we're not going to be a part of the pathetic problem. We're gonna choose to say, we have power. The power of Most High God lives inside us. We can make choices about our words and our money to show the world there's hope this 2020. Would you pray with me? God, there are people right now who have tried religion. They've tried all forms of religion, all branches of Christianity, all ways of modifying behavior and being better. Every way we modify our behavior leaves us feeling ashamed and sinful before you, a holy God. Only Jesus can bring us hope and healing. So, Jesus, heal us. If you're just listening to me right now, wherever you are, and you've never put your trust in Jesus, call out to him. Reach out to him. All you have to do is reach out to him, not with special words or religion, but just a desperate faith that says, I believe the King of kings and the Lord of lords will forgive you, help you, come and live inside you. God, for your sons and daughters who have been given supernatural power, the spirit of God living inside us, forgive us for being a part of the problem, for being pathetic in conserving or abusing our power instead of being generous, and giving it away, seeing that everything we have has been entrusted to us by you. We are your representatives here on earth. Would you help us would you give us the ability to use our words wisely at the end of 2020 to build people up through cards and text messages and emails to be a source of positive hope and peace and not more of the drama that so fills our country and god would you unleash generosity one gift card at a time that kids at rob middle school and families at fostering would know that there are people that love them and will give, release our power and influence to help others. Would you make this church family a family of generosity and gratitude? God, for business owners and frontline workers, for healthcare workers and restaurant owners, for servers, nurses and technicians, every teacher and child, every one of us struggling with COVID, please, you are all-powerful. End this virus. Give us strength to make it through whatever we have to face. Help every person to know that plugged into you daily is the only source of hope we have. I pray this all in the strong name of Christ our Lord. Amen.